0: A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, welcome back to the second part of my conversation with Sarah Pasquale. If you missed last episode, I hope you'll go back and check that out. My conversation with Sarah was so encouraging, and there's so much wisdom to be gleaned there. Besides the fact, she's just really fun. In today's episode, we are talking about a book that we both recently read called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, From Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again by Ruth Haley Barton. Now, Sarah is an avid reader, as she mentioned in last week's episode. And so I knew she'd be game to read this book with me. And she was. You know, I love to read, but it's always so much more fun for me as an Enneagram too, to read something that somebody else is reading and then chat about it afterwards. So this was a real treat for me. I personally am trying to learn a lot about Sabbath and resting because that is a key component of soul care. I really enjoyed this book, and even more so, I loved chatting with Sarah. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Sarah, welcome back. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Um, Because we're going to be discussing a book that is talking about a subject that I'm really learning a lot about personally, which we're going to talk about. But before we jump into that, seeing as how we talked a lot about coffee in the last episode, and your husband is amazing, and he can do even latte art really, really well. So you're an aficionado. What is your favorite cup of coffee? Like, what do you really enjoy these days?
1: I generally just drink whatever he brings home as black coffee every morning. But if I go to a coffee shop, if I go to like a coffee shop that has like really good specialty coffee, I will get an oat milk cappuccino. That tends to be my favorite. And if I go to a coffee shop that like has kind of like mediocre coffee or like it's not maybe top level, I will I like love a good lavender latte like a flavored latte. So those are probably my favorite drinks, but I generally stick with like one cup of coffee a day. (laughs) Good for you. You're doing all
0: you do on one cup of coffee. I'm very impressed. (laughs) Last time you talked about how high capacity you are. Does that mean like energy, like you have a lot of energy as a
1: person and drive? I, you know, I think like I think one of my superpowers, if we would call it that, is just efficiency. I'm a really efficient person. And so I wouldn't say multitasking is a strength of mine. I'm super extroverted, which people probably would call energy, but mostly I just am pretty efficient in the way, in like the processes in the way. I'm, I'm, this is like a blessing and a curse, right? But I'm, I'm pretty type A. And so I have good systems.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen all your pictures about, all your planners yeah. and stuff. And maybe you can teach me some things.
1: You know, for so long, I thought it was a superpower. And I just see it in this last year or two, I started to like, really think like, maybe this might be one of those things that the world calls a superpower, but it has, it might not be, you know, like, I just don't think God is like, that's the coolest thing. Like the rest of the people in the world think about it as being. So I'm trying to kind of figure out how to not give as much of my energy and effort to this thing of efficiency that I love as much as I do, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So
0: today we're talking about a book by Ruth Haley Barton called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And before we discuss it, I'm going to tell you how I came across this book. Mm -hmm. She was interviewed on a podcast I was listening to. The author was. And she was talking about how she was raised in a spiritual environment and Sabbath was more of a hardship than it was a blessing Mm -hmm. to her. So when she became an adult, she really didn't practice it very much. But then she hit 40 years old and basically hit a burnout place and had an injury and was sort of forced into it. And the Lord was already kind of moving some things around in her heart and her soul where she was becoming more aware and more ready for it, but didn't really know how to practice. So I heard her say all those things. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is the Sabbath book I need to read because most of the Sabbath talks I've ever heard are from men,
1: Uh older men,
0: who are not raising a bunch of children. (laughs) I thought, I just hit 40 years old. I talk about burnout all the time. (laughs) I need need to hear what this woman has to say about this because, you know, you can end your job, but you're still a parent even on the weekend. And what what does Sabbath look like then? I just had a lot of questions. Then I thought, who would I like to talk about this book with? Who would be, who would be interesting to talk about this with? And you popped into my head. It was probably a Holy Spirit thing. I was like, she is really interested in these things too. She reads books all the time. Yes. I would love to chat with her about this. So that's how it came about. And I'm wondering for you, like you've read a lot about the Sabbath. What were your thoughts about this book, reading through it?
1: I really loved the book. I've read a number of Ruth Haley Barton's books and I've, I've honestly, I've really loved them all. But this one just came as a welcome invitation. I think anytime I read about these sort of soul care practices or Sabbath, I just, I'm amazed that we serve a God who invites us to rest. Yes. And it, it is a discipline and it is a choice at times, but it's such a delight. And so to read a book about like getting to delight And having that be part of what it looks like to live a faithful Christian life is amazing. And I think she keeps the main thing, the main thing too, which is being in and resting in God before we are people who do. And that's a huge struggle of mine. And so I love the the book kind of brought me back to that. And it's like, it's super practical too, which I really liked probably, you know, as we think about it being written by a woman who raised kids and owns and runs her own company. That's probably why it was practical.
0: Yeah. And even as I was reading through it, I was thinking it probably is very applicable to you because she's running a ministry and is in the church, as are you. So I'm sure a lot of the things she talks about, you can really relate to a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt a lot of connections. There's a lot that stood out to me. So, just as an overview, I thought it was
0: an easy read in a way, Mm -hmm. but not one that you would just want to sit down and read all in one day, maybe because there's things to think about. And I liked how she had a spot at the end of each chapter. She was talking about what does your soul say to God? I think that that's so helpful because reading it, you know, the information goes in and then you're like, Mm -hmm. that was interesting. And then you move on. But like what you were talking about in the last episode, giving yourself space and time to hear from the Lord, like listening to what's going on in your own soul and where things are landing what
1: he might have to say about it. I think that was really helpful too. Yeah, something I've started doing in my reading, I started doing it maybe a year or so ago, is this is a forcing myself to do, but I try to journal after every chapter because I realize I read a lot, but sometimes I don't always remember what I read. And so sitting down every chapter and journaling helps me stay connected and helps me more internalize what I'm reading it makes me read a little bit slower but it helps me internalize a lot of it so you journal at the end of each chapter I'm
0: interested like I know you read this book a couple months ago did you look back over your journal entries as
1: we were going to talk today about some of the things that you thought I did. And some, you know, it's usually just like a few notes, like I'll write down some lines that stand out to me or some personal reflections, but I did look at that and it helped me even remember some things that I especially, I mean, of course, as somebody who's on staff at a church and in leadership in a church, these are, there's a lot of things that I love to apply to our church and community in general.
0: Yeah. So were there any
1: particular ideas or quotes or chapters that stood out to you? There's a few things. I really like this idea of Sabbath as resistance. Oh, yeah. And there's actually a book by Walter Brueggemann, I think is, who wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance that I read a little while ago, but she summarizes it really beautifully. I think we're resisting in Sabbath our own addictions to productivity or to our phones, or even to noise in our lives, or feeling like we need to have something to show for our time. And I also like this idea of resisting, like Sabbath is resistance in us not pulling or consuming from other people. You know, she mentioned that that some of us may see Sabbath as something only for the privileged. And that is kind of how our current culture is set up in North America. But to resist that even through choosing to not consume or purchase or shop or buy on the Sabbath or to make sure your Amazon deliveries don't come on the weekend or something like that as a way to make a statement about the value of of human life and that we wish all people or want to create opportunities for all people to rest. So, you know, my husband's business is closed on Sundays for this exact reason and conviction. It probably would be his second highest grossing day, but he wants to resist and practice Sabbath. And so I re- I really loved that idea. What about you? What stood out to you?
0: Well, first of all, I love that you mentioned that because that was not in my notes, but I enjoyed that part too. I think that that's really, really important. And it is something that we have to notice. Like I'll feel a pull against it. It's mm-hmm. a, like a serious pull, even in the smallest of things. Like, oh, I just need to check this one thing. Oh, yeah. I just need to like look at my email for a second. Oh, what if one of my clients needs me? You know, something like that. Or even something that starts out like I'm going to play in my garden, but then I start weed pulling, you know, instead, Uh and I'm no longer resting, you know, because then I saw these other things that needed to be taken care of. It's like so deeply ingrained in us to work. It's so hard not to, or even to feed our addictions. That is a big deal. Speaking of Instagram and all the things you were telling me last Right. It is hard. Yeah. Which I'm not gonna say that people can't be on Instagram on Sunday. you know, sometimes I am right. as well, but I try to really guard what I'm doing and why and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be more intentional about that.
1: Well, I think part of Sabbath too is is it's not making hard and fast rules, right, right? That's how the Pharisees got it wrong is because they created all these rules around Sabbath that ended up creating burden instead of delight and joy and part of sabbath for any of us is figuring out what works for us and that's going to be trial and error and so if we were to say like you can never shop or you can never do this or don't do that then all you're doing is following rules you're not actually learning how to depend on or commune with god and that's the purpose so it's you know when my husband and i were like getting to know each other we figured out what each one of us liked and we figured out what worked for us in our relationship. And that's part of the fun of Sabbath. Like, That's right. Go to hike. And like, either it's awesome or it's the worst. And if it's the worst, you don't have to do it again. You that's know, right. like, Sabbath is enjoying or bake or build with your hands or read a book for pleasure. All these things we get to try out. Play a game with your kids where you're not trying to get them to like, I don't know, get dressed or get out the door on time and see what you like to do. That's part of enjoying Sabbath, I think.
0: That's really true. Yes, for sure. Um, one of the things that stood out to me and something I'm trying to figure out myself this year is I think I've been frustrated maybe about the Sabbath because I feel like well, it must be easy for people who have easy lives or are single or are married and don't have children to take care of, but like I'm still being needed for the entire yeah. Sabbath, plus sometimes we're going to church. I mean, it just feels like it's hard to just let go and take care of myself or like let myself rest in a way. Mm -hmm. So I really thought it was helpful what she said about that Sabbath is not the same thing as solitude and silence, because Mm -hmm. in my head, I think I was starting to think that that was the case. And I was like, but I can't get any solitude, but I can't get any silence. Like, my kids won't leave me alone. So, um, I think even changing that, like she talks a lot about community, which is a whole separate Mm -hmm. thing, but even as a family with young kids, what does that look like? Like, how can you enjoy each other? Solitude and silence are important practices, but it maybe isn't necessary on the Sabbath itself. It may be throughout the week. And that's something I'm practicing, like taking an hour here, an hour there throughout the week of silence or solitude. But on Sunday or on Saturday, I'm I'm just trying to practice from Saturday night to Sunday night. Yeah. And then putting things back in our book bags and everything again on Sunday night because we have to get ready again for the next day. Finding things that are fun for the whole family mm-hmm. or enjoying getting to do things in the afternoon or we get together with our small group a lot on Sunday nights and that's kind of a communal thing. It's fun. We all have a good time. So trying to figure out how that works with having little kids. And I really like that she addressed that.
1: I do too. And I like, I I think I just mentioned this, but I really like how she pointed out, like maybe you won't feel so frustrated about it if you're just not trying to get your kids to do something and you're just kind of enjoying them. And there is a point where like when you have little kids and all they want to do is watch like Blue's Clues or whatever, like that's not going to be super fun. Right. There are challenges with that, but that's also a season. And what I try to remind myself of is like parents of young kids in Israel were never given an exception to Sabbath. Now, right? Same sort of command to practice Sabbath in, in the new Testament, new covenant that they did in the old Testament, but they're, they weren't given a pass. And so, but you're right. It doesn't mean like, sitting outside on the porch and drinking sweet tea without interruptions. Right, right. So maybe it's, some of it has to do like, with a practice of even reframing what you're expecting or hoping it to be and kind of letting some of those idealized perspectives go and paying attention to what part of the day is fun or maybe spending nap time a little bit differently if you have little ones you know my kids are a little bit bigger and so we can do things together that we all enjoy more um, like doing puzzles or baking or going for a hike or watching a movie that we all like but it's hard when kids are young a couple of things that we do as a family that we've incorporated is we have so our Sabbath is Saturday and we have what we call cereal Saturday. Oh, that's and that, fun. And like, this make it, makes it really fun for our kids Um, And that we have like the junk food cereal, like Captain Crunch and Fruity Pebbles and all that kind of stuff. And we have that on Saturday and they know that that's like part of their Sabbath celebration. Or we have ice cream. We like, we're really, we're all like heavily driven by sweets, I guess. But we try (laughs) to do special things that make them feel like the day is really special too. Um, I won't necessarily eat the junk food cereal for breakfast because that doesn't necessarily make me experience the enjoyment of God in the same way that my kids do. But I have heard them saying, you know, and, and we tell them you can't do any chores today. You can't do laundry. You can't do homework. Not that they would, but it makes them feel really good for us to forbid them from doing that. And they will say to one another, I mean, I've over here heard them saying like Saturday is the best day of the week. I always look forward to Saturday and that's what we want to cultivate in our kids.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's really good. And she actually talked about that a lot in the book, like not setting an expectation or making it feel like something you have to do,
1: Yeah, but something
0: you're invited to do and that they can see being modeled in front of them. And I thought that was really good. Mm -hmm. The other thing that really stood out to me, which you and I were talking about earlier is how she talks about Sabbath in community. Yeah. And what that looks like and how in our churches, a lot of times we are pushed towards productivity or be here as soon as the doors are open and all day long and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes that feels like being rushed and just like another day of the week. So Mm -hmm. that was something I thought was really interesting. And I was thinking about What does community look like? You know, my husband, he didn't grow up Amish or Mennonite, but his family history is Amish and Mennonite. And so in the Mennonite communities and Amish communities, that is what they do is like they go visiting on Sunday, you know, which is really, it's a fun idea. Not one that I think in our culture, we tend to think about a lot anymore, but trying to think about how could we do that? Or how could we spend time with people? Maybe we don't get to regularly and let that be a part of our Sabbath. But for you, what does that look like being in
1: ministry yourself? Well, thankfully, our small group beats on Friday nights and our small group happens to be some of our very best friends. And we've been together in some form or another for years. And so we love having our time together. Um, We don't you know, some people will like light a candle and say a prayer to kind of set aside. That's not exactly how we do it, but we do love starting that in community. And then oftentimes on Saturday mornings, we'll have my husband's parents over, they live just down the road and they'll come over for breakfast um, or we'll meet up with friends for a hike. I, we live a very scheduled life. And so we don't generally schedule anything until the, you know, like we only kind of do last minute plans on Sabbath. Um, But I think it's really important for us to consider, just generally like what the idea of community really is in our current culture, because it was intergenerational back when we think about Sabbath and Jewish culture and even many cultures in the world today. And there's tons of overlap. And so oftentimes when we think of community, we think of people who are like us or in the same life stage or even our own kind of nuclear family, whatever that looks like. But community and family can become so much more if we start to approach it from the way that they understood it in biblical times in the first century or in the old Testament. in that having people who are in a different life stage than you, whether they're empty nesters or people with kids or younger singles, working professionals, any of those kinds of things and inviting them into Sabbath with you can be really special. Um, we have a group of women who at, at some point or another, we're all single who would just come over to our house for dinner every Sunday night. And The point, like the reason we did that initially was I was just thinking like if they ever want a home cooked meal, they have to cook it for themselves. And that's like tiring because all of them are from out of state. Um, And so we started having them over and we love, it's called our Sunday night dinner crew. So it's not technically part of Sabbath for us. I guess it is for them if they Sabbath on Sundays, Uh, but they've just become part of our family. And so the gift that these women are to to all six of us, to my husband, to our kids. It's just incredible. It's one of those things that maybe we thought we were doing a nice thing for them at the beginning, but it's become the thing, one of the things that we look forward to the most every week.
0: That is really fun. I love that so much. So you've read a whole lot about the Sabbath, like Abraham Heschel, I know is like the preeminent. Person mm-hmm. that everybody listens to, but you've read lots of different books, mm-hmm. and you and your family have already been practicing it. Was there anything that kind of stood out to you that maybe you hadn't heard before
1: or hadn't thought of in that way? Yeah, I think the thing that stuck with me the most is just a reminder to to figure out navigating technology on Sabbath days. Is there a way for me to fully turn my phone off or put it on Do Not Disturb, or a way to unplug a little bit more intentionally? I think is a, a consistent reminder, and then we. Sabbath needs to be really intentionally planned for us. I know I just said we don't plan anything, but we also need to come into it knowing what we're going to do or we'll kind of like waste the day by laying around or something. And so that's something else that we need to consistently continue to practice. So even just this morning, my husband and I were like, okay, what are we doing for Sabbath tomorrow? All right, here's the plan. And so it'll be a refreshing day that we can even anticipate and look forward to even more. I think that
0: that is so smart. I know right now, sometimes our lives are so busy and our kids are going so many places that my husband and I, like we're kind of like passing ships and trying to remember the things we need to tell each other. So I love that you guys are intentional about that ahead of time. Like, what is this going to look like? What are we going to, what are we going to do? This gives our whole family something to look forward to.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we do our best. We're not always, but we try. (laughs) I didn't expect that you were perfect, but I do love it. So she also talks about sabbatical, which is the second half of the book. I feel like that is out of my wheelhouse, like not something that I could really even consider at this time in my life. I'm just trying to practice Sabbath, which in this phase of life needs to be where I spend the most time. Mm -hmm. But being that you are in ministry, have you ever taken a sabbatical or what are your thoughts about what that would look like?
1: I have not yet taken a sabbatical. I'm going to come up for my first sabbatical, I think, next year. And our church gives um, people in these sort of ministerial roles three months off. Uh, But I am being gifted a month off this, this coming spring as a result of our pastor, our lead pastor, taking a sabbatical last summer and then a really challenging building project we just went through. I'm a big... I'm a big fan of it. I can't speak to it personally, but I've done, again, a lot of reading about it and I've seen the effects in our lead pastor, who's a good friend of mine and my supervisor, and just how he left versus how he came back. And there is something that I can speak to about being in ministry and working for a church that it's a really, this spiritual care of people who are also your community, it's a really hard and heavy work and there's a tremendous amount of spiritual weight and spiritual warfare. And so, and, and we care so much about what we do. I mean, I think anybody who works in human services, what you do, Jenny, and anyone who works in nonprofit world, just we care so much about what we do. And we have so much spiritual conviction behind it that it's really, really easy to start to load these like rocks into our bag that drag us down because we feel like we have to carry all the burdens. And Sabbath is a mini way of, and sabbatical is a longer version of saying like, this is not mine to carry. This belongs to God. The world keeps spinning even when I'm gone. There's a really good book about that that I just even want to mention to you. It's called From Burnout to Beloved. Have you heard of it? No. I don't even remember who wrote it. It's written, I can't remember the name of the author, but it's it's written by a woman who worked in nonprofit kind of crisis care in Seattle and her experience of living kind of from burnout and crisis and to crisis. And she talks a lot about soul care practices and techniques for those of us who care for people in difficult situations, which I know is a part of what you do too in your job. Yes,
0: it totally is. I recently heard a podcast with, um, the guy that wrote the the book about hurry was his name. Oh, John Mark Comer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got a whole series on Sabbath.
0: Yeah, I well I haven't listened to that. But I recently heard John Mark Comer being interviewed about a sabbatical that he took, which Mm. I think was a year long in Hawaii, which must have been nice. But he said Yeah. But he said that he asked God for a vision of what sabbatical would look like for him and God gave him a vision of being in a hospital bed. And he was like, You need to get your wounds taken care of. Mm. And that's kind of what the author talked about as well, like giving yourself time and space to be able to process what has been going on in your life and a grief that has been coming. I think that there, when you work with people that come from hard places, you do take on some of their trauma as well. And like, you just keep going by giving yourself time and space for God to minister to you where there's not like an expectation the next day that you have to get back to, but you actually have like extended time to be able to recover, to be able to hear his voice again, to be able to set boundaries, to not have everybody need you 24 seven is really important. So I really appreciated what she had to say about that.
1: Yeah. It made me, me think too. about what I heard John Mark Comer say as well. Yeah. It's really a gift to get to sabbatical though. Most people can't and it lives in what university realm and church world and that's about it. Yeah.
0: You know, as we're talking, I'm just thinking about that I probably should have done this at the beginning, but even to define what Sabbath and sabbatical are for people who might be listening that are like, well, those sound like churchy words. What does that even mean? And I think, Really, if we could boil it down, it would be like, how do you rest? How do you Mm -hmm. let yourself rest? One day a week would be a Sabbath. A sabbatical would be an extended period of time where I'm not, I'm choosing not to work for whatever reason, which is a financial, it could be a financial problem depending on what job that you have and everything, but that's hard to do. But one day a week is doable. It feels like it's not doable. I think sometimes, but it is, and it's really necessary. And that leads me to say one more thing that I forgot to say earlier about something that stood out to me. And that was that she was talking about setting rhythms in our lives. Mm. And I think that that's so important. And that is a big part of soul care. Even like all day long, our bodies have rhythms circadian rhythms that they go with. Like when we eat, when we sleep all those kinds of things, but even having a day a week, of a rhythm of resting that we can expect that our bodies can come down from the zone and recharge yeah. and all that stuff is really, really important. And since you're a scheduled person, you've probably thought about rhythms before, but do you have any thoughts about that?
1: For me, rhythms are really, really important. And that's part of like Sabbath is considered to be a spiritual discipline. And Dallas Willard is the one who says like, it's a discipline because you probably don't want to do it always. And so, um, we have to, I find for myself and really everyone I talk to who practices it is that there are like choices and rhythms we have to make just like the kind of day you're going to have is, is impacted heavily by what time you go to sleep the night before. Right. And so Sabbath rhythms of, I mean, there's so many different options of play. Um, I was talking to uh, my pastor about it yesterday and what is his phrase that he uses with his family? Um, love God, love others, play, no work, love us or something. I can't, his phrase was better, but it's something like that. Um, But yeah, having daily, weekly, monthly rhythms, which I talked a little bit about in the last podcast has been really important for us and important for us as a family to keep things moving. We're four kids is a lot of kids (laughs) and so like we've just got a lot to keep a lot of things moving Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: building that into our kids that enjoyment and that understanding and expectation of things to look forward to and I think like a lot of psychology talks about how the thing that impacts our enjoyment I think it might be habit books but like has to do with the anticipation. Like sometimes we enjoy it, the anticipation, even more than the event itself. And so having rhythms and knowing what to look forward to will help experience and more fully enjoy the Sabbath too, I think. Oh yes.
0: Cause I am the girl that like looks forward to vacations and I plan them and I just can't wait. And it is half just the anticipation, you know, and then I get there and and it is fun. But I just really always love having something to look forward to. So for me, that is important because I know the author talks about some people switch up the day of the week mm-hmm. and that's that's doable. But having a rhythm of knowing what to expect and when and, and having a day of reflection, looking back before you hit the next work week, all that I yeah. think is really helpful, and even knowing when to anticipate.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say something about Sabbath on Sundays for people who, you know, aren't necessarily working for but are active parts of churches is there are volunteer opportunities. If you go to a church, probably you're going to be asked to volunteer on a Sunday and that can be part of your Sabbath. If it's not the thing you do on a weekend or week out or day in or day out basis, you can experience the delight of God through giving goldfish to toddlers or through opening the door for people who are coming or handing out bulletins or whatever, you know, like checking, cleaning up the auditorium, whatever it is, I would just would encourage you as you do some of these regular practices, even as you change a diaper or things like that on the Sabbath to pay attention to God, to, to like say, okay, God, this is my day with you. And today I get to spend it with you and 16 screaming toddlers. And that's, that's, so we can practice Sabbath even through volunteering or doing things that like aren't always the most fun through noticing and paying attention to God in a different way during it. Exactly.
0: And I think, you know, just even us talking about it, that's something the Lord's been teaching me. And I do love Dallas Willard. I think he was very good at paying attention to the voice of God and in each moment, being mindful yes. of that. But I do think that that's an important part of Sabbath too. It's paying attention to where where is God? Yeah. He's with me all the time, but I can actually like be in his presence and practice yeah. the presence
1: of God. Yeah, Enjoying him. I mean, there's a lot of times that we have to do really hard things. You know, we are called to carry our cross and to deny ourselves and follow him. And we do that by his grace and his strength, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. And Sabbath is a day for us to enjoy God. Abraham Heschel, who, who is not a Christian, he was a Jew, but he's kind of like, yeah, the pinnacle of Sabbath teachings. He wouldn't have conversations about hard things on Sabbath. Like he wouldn't talk about politics or like pain or anything. He only wanted to think of like positive things on Sabbath. He just wanted to enjoy God and not carry some of those other weights and burdens.
0: That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's
1: yeah, something
0: maybe I need to think about. I know. <laughs> well, Sarah, I so appreciate you being on the podcast and talking about this stuff. And I'm actually hoping but maybe we can make this like an annual thing where we read a book together and review it if you're up for it. I love
1: that. Oh, I'm having so much fun talking with you about this stuff. So it's, I would love it. I should say if the Lord
0: wills it, because I don't know if I'm going to have a podcast next year. <laughs> <laughs> if I still do. <laughs> Let's, Let's do it. Sounds Let's good. Do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Sarah, for being on today's podcast episode. And for reading an entire book with me, I love your insight. I have so much I can learn from you, and I look forward to wink wink to next year when we review our next book together. Well, friends, if you enjoyed this book or this conversation, I would love to hear about it. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Pause Renew Next, or you can comment under today's show notes or on the website. If you enjoy this conversation as well, I would love it if you passed it on to your friends. Word of mouth is my favorite, or you can share on social media. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, now is a great time to subscribe. You can find this podcast on almost any podcasting app. Well, next week, we're jumping in full force into our series on attachment. It is going to be quite a few weeks worth of information, but when I asked you guys on social media what was the topic you wanted to hear most about this semester, This was the one you chose. So we are going to go for it together. So you can look for the first part of that new series next week. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.